0: Hello out there, and welcome back to the Washington University Emergency Medicine Journal Club podcast, August 2016. This month's topic was one that I I think most people think that they already have the answer to, and they may be right, they may have the correct answer, but it's something that comes up now and again that I don't think has been well studied, and I don't think that we have a definitive answer to. I think that we continue to practice based on dogma rather than evidence at this point. And this topic, without further ado, uh, is calf DVTs and how to manage them. The big question being, do you anticoagulate patients with isolated calf DVTs? The teaching for a long time was that if the DVT was isolated to the calf that no, you didn't treat it. Uh, there was no benefit to doing so, that there was no downside to not treating it. And, and while that may be true, I just don't know that there's enough evidence that we can really say that definitively. Certainly, it makes sense that more proximal DVTs are more likely to break off and result in a PE and potentially put patients' lives at risk. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there's no potential benefit to anticoagulating patients with DVTs isolated to the calf veins. Uh, The big concern there, aside from breaking off and causing a PE, is that it can propagate and that what starts out as an isolated calf DVT a week or two later is now a proximal DVT that really does require anticoagulation based on our current standard. So we decided to look at the evidence and this is a topic that's been out there for a while so the evidence goes pretty far back all the way to 1985. The question being, for patients with isolated calf vein DVTs, does anticoagulation prevent either propagation of clot, uh, development of a PE, death, or any other bad outcomes, and does that potential benefit outweigh the risks of bleeding associated with anticoagulation? The first article we looked at was from 1985, or as I like to call it, the year of Michael J. Fox. Uh, This was the year that Back to the Future came out, the year that Teen Wolf came out. What a great year for some wonderful cinema. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? So this article was Need for Long-Term Anticoagulant Therapy in Symptomatic Caffeine Thrombosis. This is from The Lancet. This was a prospective randomized controlled trial conducted from 1981 to 1984 at the University of Hospital in Lund, Sweden. Patients admitted to the medical department with symptoms of a DVT confined to the calf veins were eligible for inclusion. They excluded anybody with extension of thrombus into the popliteal veins, so our proximal DVTs, anyone with a PE, malignancy, conditions predisposing to recurrent thrombosis, or patients who were going to require long-term anticoagulation anyway. They started all patients on a five-day course of IV heparin, so... This is where we start to veer a little bit from our current standard practice. So all patients got a five-day course of IV heparin and then were randomized to either warfarin or no further anticoagulation. Now, they followed people by using these technetium plasmin scans, and they looked at day five, 14, 30, and 90, And then did a VQ scan on day 90 in some of the patients in the study. So obviously we don't use these Technetium scans anymore. Uh, We typically use compression ultrasonography, duplex ultrasonography. Uh, But this is what was used back then, uh, 1985, and we'll have to go with it. This was a small study. They only enrolled 52 patients, 24 in the warfarin group and 28 in the control group. And what they found was that no patient in the warfarin group had a recurrent clot at 90 days whereas 8 patients, or 29% in the control group, did have a recurrent clot. Uh, Now, they don't really define what they mean by current clot all that well, but it seems that that would mean any recurrent clot in calf veins, proximal veins, it doesn't really matter. So this results in a number needed to treat of 3.5 with a 95% confidence interval of 2.2 to 8.5. So statistically significant. And interestingly, they note that five of these recurrences did involve proximal extension of the clot. So a pretty significant number of patients who not only had a recurrent clot, but had that clot extend into the proximal vein. And then no patients in the warfarin group had a PE, whereas one patient in the control group did. Not statistically significant because of the small numbers, of course. So an interesting study, despite the age of it, Uh, This was not a blinded study, so we always risk performance bias and observer bias. Most importantly, I think the primary outcome they looked at wasn't necessarily a patient-centered outcome. If you have a recurrent clot and it's in the calf, we don't care so much. On the other hand, like I said, five of those patients did have extension of the clot into the proximal veins. Also, patients in both groups got IV heparin for five days although you would think that that would diminish any potential benefit to anticoagulation, and yet they did see some benefit. I think the primary problem with this study is the study sample size. This was very small, 50 patients, not a lot. It's hard to draw conclusions from that. We'd rather see a larger study that showed similar results before we were going to implement those results in our practice. The next study we looked at is from 2010. and This is Therapy of Isolated Calf Vein Muscle Thrombosis, a randomized controlled study from the Journal of Vascular Surgery. So this was another prospective open-label randomized controlled study. This was conducted at the University of Dresden Medical School in Germany. They enrolled consecutive patients with symptomatic, sonographically proven, isolated calf muscle vein thrombosis. Now it's important to point out what that means. Apparently there are two kinds of calf vein DVTs, something I didn't know. There are the muscle veins which are the soleal and gastrocnemius veins and then there are the deep calf veins or the axial calf veins. And these are the peroneal and posterior tibial veins. Now I haven't found a lot of evidence to support this but what I'm told is isolated muscle vein DVTs are much more benign, much less likely to propagate and less likely to break off and result in PEs than these so-called axial vein DVTs. So this study's only looking at the muscle vein DVTs. So this is kind of the most benign of the more benign DVTs if you want to think of it that way. So it's possible that even if they don't find a benefit in this study, that there may be a study when you looked at patients with these axial vein DVTs. So they randomized patients to either receive nadroparin for 10 days plus compression therapy for 3 months or compression therapy alone for 3 months. So short course of anticoagulation and then patients in both groups got compression therapy. Their primary outcome was progression into the deep veins and they found that this occurred in 2 patients in each group. So 3.7% of patients in the low molecular weight heparin group and 3.8% in the compression only group. Relative risk of 0.98, and obviously the 95% confidence interval is going to cross one. There were no clinical PEs, deaths, or major bleeding events in either group, no recurrent isolated distal DVTs in either group and thrombus recanalization when they looked at it was seen in 66% of patients in the parent group and 60% of patients in the compression only group. So problems with this study, one is it was still rather small, only 109 total patients, certainly bigger than the last study, but still not really large. Two, we talked about the fact that they only looked at these muscle vein DVTs, potentially still some benefit in axial calf DVTs. Also, they didn't really look at your typical anticoagulation regimen. They just did 10 days of anticoagulation in the treatment group, whereas the recommendations are three months of anticoagulation. Now, that didn't seem to matter that much in this group, since progression into the deep veins was pretty rare in both groups. It's possible that if you had done a full anticoagulation, you would have seen a statistically significant improvement in the rates of clot propagation, but it seems a little bit unlikely. I guess we won't know exactly. Since no clinical PE death or bleeding event occurred in either group, Again, probably doesn't matter that they only use 10 days. And then finally, this was an unblinded study, which always worries us a little bit. The next study we looked at was therapeutic anticoagulation for isolated calf deep vein thrombosis from JAMA surgery this year, 2016, just a few months ago. Now, this was not a randomized controlled trial like the others. This was a retrospective cohort study performed at UC Davis Medical Center from January 1st, 2010 to December 31st, 2013. They enrolled all patients aged 18 years or older with a first isolated calf DVT, then collected data from the electronic medical record. And only one investigator did this, but they did use a standardized abstraction instrument. They then looked at outcomes comparing patients' who were intended to receive anticoagulation by the clinicians, uh, and it didn't matter what kind of anticoagulation that was, uh, whether it was warfarin, unfractionated heparin, low molecular weight heparin, a direct thrombin inhibitor, or an anti-10A agent. Then they compared those outcomes in patients uh, in whom the clinicians did not intend to treat with anticoagulation. There were 973 isolated CAF DVTs during the study period, but only 384 of those were eligible for inclusion. Interestingly enough, uh, there was a plan to treat with anticoagulation in 243 of those cases. That's 63%. Seems a little bit odd to me. Usually we don't treat patients with calf DVTs. So why did most of the patients in this study have a plan to treat them? We'll see why that might have been the case a little bit later. So what they found was that the composite outcome of proximal DVT or PE occurred more frequently in the control group, with a relative risk of 036 And then they statistically adjusted for age, sex, care setting, existing cancer, and history of DVT or PE, and found that the treatment benefit persisted. The adjusted odds ratio was 0.33, with a 95% confidence interval from 0.12 to 0.87. So this study seems to suggest that there may be a benefit to anticoagulation in patients with isolated calf DVT. Unfortunately, there are a few problems with this study. First and foremost, this was a retrospective observational study. It simply doesn't meet the methodological standards of a randomized controlled trial. And when it comes to the hierarchy of evidence, this falls below such trials. The main reason is that while you can do these statistical analyses that adjust for certain known confounding factors, there are always going to be unknown confounding factors that you can't adjust for no matter how meticulous you think you're being. There are several examples of observational studies out there where the observational study showed some benefit to some treatment. And then when this was restudied using a randomized control trial, they found that there was no benefit. So you can't always trust an observational study alone, especially one that's relatively small, less than 400 patients for an observational retrospective study, not that big. Another big issue with this study was that it was mostly inpatients who were included, patients who were already admitted to the hospital, many of them following recent surgery and trauma, and a large percentage of them were completely non-ambulatory. In fact, only 3.4% of the patients were ED patients. So this really isn't the patient population that we want to look at. And it's likely the reason that so many patients in this study were anticoagulated. Yes, you have an isolated calf DVT, but you just had surgery, you're not going to be walking for the next three weeks. We're pretty sure that this is going to extend and propagate if we don't treat it. So we're going to go ahead and treat you. That's my guess at least. So unfortunately, this is an observational study and it lacks external validity to the patient population that we're really interested in. Okay, the final paper we looked at. This was the most methodologically sound paper. Unfortunately, this was a pilot trial, a feasibility study, and it was very small as a result. This is the anticoagulation of calf thrombosis, the ACT project, results from the randomized controlled external pilot trial. This was published in CHEST in 2014. This was a randomized controlled trial conducted at the Central Manchester University Hospital in Manchester, UK, between 2011 and 2012. Patients aged 16 years or older diagnosed with an isolated distal or calf DVT following whole leg compression ultrasonography, were eligible for exclusion. Patients were randomized to receive either three months of anticoagulation or conservative management. Anticoagulation initially consisted of Daltaparin use. This was then transitioned to Warfarin with a goal INR of 2 to 3. Patients in the control group were treated with anti-inflammatory meds and paracetamol or acetaminophen. Also, patients in both groups were fitted for compression stockings, which is something we don't often do here in the United States, but maybe we should. Their primary clinical outcome was defined as a serious thromboembolic complication, which included proximal propagation of the DVT, symptomatic PE, venous thromboembolism-related sudden death, or major bleeding. Again, this was a small study, and it only included a total of 70 patients. They found that their primary outcome occurred in four patients in the control group, 11.4%, and none in the treatment group. So this was an absolute risk reduction of 11.4%. Unfortunately, because it was so small, the 95% confidence interval extended from 0.15% up to 26.7%. No patients in either group had any major bleeding, and minor bleeding only occurred in a few patients in each group. As I said, this is probably the most methodologically sound of the studies we looked at. Unfortunately, it was very small, only 70 patients, and as a result, it did not achieve statistical significance. Also, it was not a blinded study, as none of them were, uh, which is kind of unfortunate. There was also a large degree of crossover in the control group. Over a third of the patients in the control group ended up receiving therapeutic anticoagulation. An intention-to-treat analysis was used, as it should be, but it's always concerning when that large of a number of patients in one group end up either receiving the treatment that they weren't supposed to receive, or didn't receive the treatment that they were supposed to receive. Now, fortunately for us, a larger study is underway, or so I'm told, that hopefully will provide much more useful results, since this pilot study found that it was, in fact, feasible to do such a study. So, we will await the results of that larger trial on bated breath. So where does all this leave us? Well, unfortunately, it doesn't really leave us any closer to a definitive answer. The evidence that we reviewed is notably lacking in large, randomized, controlled trials with good methodology. makes it difficult to make firm recommendations. It's understandable, therefore, that the most recent chest guidelines don't actually make any recommendations as to whether or not you should treat or not treat isolated distal DVTs. They do say that if you're going to treat, you should treat them for three months, the same as you would a proximal clot. But they simply don't make a recommendation as to whether or not we should treat. Personally, my thought on this is that the decision as to whether or not to treat or not treat an isolated calf DVT should be based on several factors, including both the location, whether it's in muscle or deep veins only. Again, those muscle vein DVTs, that's the soleal and gastrocnemius DVTs, are less likely to propagate and less likely to break off. Also, we should look at need for ongoing immobilization. Is this a patient who had a procedure, they were immobile for a little while, they developed a distal clot, now they're going to be mobile and moving around, less likely to propagate, less likely to get worse? Or is this a patient who had a prolonged procedure, they developed a clot, and now they're going to be immobile for several more weeks? That's a patient we might want to consider anticoagulation in. in a Also, bleeding risk is obviously going to have to be a major concern. If this is a patient who's at high risk for bleeding and they've got an isolated distal DBT, I think the answer is pretty conclusive. Probably best not to treat them. No clear evidence of benefit, but a likely evidence of harm if you do anticoagulate them. Final thing I would say is that we're going to have to work closely with primary care physicians, surgeons, and admitting teams when making decisions in patients with isolated calf DVTs. I think the old school dogma of, oh, it's a calf DVT, don't treat, isn't going to work anymore. We're going to have to think about whether or not there's likely to be a risk to giving anticoagulation and the potential for benefit and discuss that with those who've done the recent surgery, if the patient's had a surgery, or with the doctor who's going to have to continue the anticoagulation if you decide to go that route. Unfortunately, a lot of controversy still here. Still no definitive answer, but unfortunately that's the way it is sometimes. We'll see if this large, randomized, controlled trial that comes out in a couple of years has anything better to tell us. In the meantime, thanks for joining us as always, and check out our Facebook page, where we're EMJ Club. Follow us on Twitter, where we're at EMJ Club, and I hope to see you guys back next time.